You're listening to the Arter Hour podcast, brought to you by our good friend, Jin. And no, not the sexiest man alive, Ryan Reynolds' Jin, just plain old Gordon's, the cheap stuff, because we're also sponsored by absolutely no one. Hi guys, and thanks for joining us again here at Arter Hour. As we know, a place between business and life where we get drunk and talk about the realities of running a business and all the things that come along with it. We're your hosts, Sam and Hannah, and we'll be diving into topics that mean something to us as female entrepreneurs. In addition to our brilliant perspective, we'll also engage with members of our community that we believe provide humorous and insightful discussion into the topics we choose to dig into. In this episode, we're going back to our roots by having just Sam and I on the podcast. We discuss the Roots and Arter origin story, our diverse paths to entrepreneurship, and the crazy emotional roller coaster it took to dive headfirst into business. Here's the episode. Okay. I smell like Greek food. Perfect. So do I. All right. So today we are going to talk about the beginning, the beginning of Roots and Ardor and kind of how Sam and I as business partners came to make that crazy leap into the world of entrepreneurship and starting a business and what kind of gave us that fuel. And the reason that we wanted to talk about this today is because we actually called on our staff and some of the members of our team about what they would want to listen to um, when listening to our podcast. And one of our amazing employees talked about how lost she was when she graduated university and she really didn't know what she wanted or how to even find out what she wanted and kind of what that process was. And she actually called on Sam and I to tell her our origin story and how Roots and Ardor began. So we thought it would be kind of cool to sort of discuss that today because our two paths as business partners were very, very diverse and how we came to a point where we were crazy enough, I guess, mad enough to start a business. So it's funny that you bring up the word mad because before we dive into this topic, which I think we're really excited about, we actually want to tell our audience that we are considering a name change, a podcast name change, not our business, a podcast name change. We just feel like maybe there's something, a name out there that can kind of grab people's attention a little bit more and align with some of our values, most mostly the drinking element of I our mean, podcast. Be honest with us. Is Arter Hour boring? Is that a boring name? I don't know. I, I got it and I loved it and it made sense. Obviously it's half our name, but first of all, it's not an hour. Yeah. It's half an hour. <laughs> half That's an hour. Issue. Half an Arter Hour maybe. And I think that maybe there's something, yeah, there's just something out there that maybe could be a little bit more catchy. Yeah. So we were talking about some things that really make us who we are as business partners, as, as a company and our culture. And, you know, we're, we work in marketing and we dabble with, you know, the world of spirits and wines and beers and all kinds of alcohols. And, you know, what, what TV show kind of made that all come to life on the silver screen? (laughs) And, and the truth is it's madness. It's madness. And if we're really being honest with ourselves, the thing that connects us the most is madness. It is. Um, We are madness. So we were thinking, what about mad women? 
What do you guys think? Now, um, spoiler alert, there is a podcast out there that is called Mad Women Podcast, all one word, which yeah. is like really like a non-word. So we're hoping that it's a, a trademark, not a trademark issue, but all the best yeah. to, to Mad Women Podcast. However, they haven't been active on podcasts, Apple Podcasts, since 2017. And so I think not, things are going judging, by the way, no, because no. we know you've missed us. We've been off the air for, for a couple months here, and um, it's only because I was in rehab. <laughs> so again, it makes sense that we would call ourselves mad women. <laughs> Sam did not go to rehab. That was a and joke. it's not funny. It's not funny. It's Either not. if you did go to rehab. It's actually not funny. It's a real thing. No, but um, you, we did take a little bit of a, we did take a little bit of a hiatus from our podcast. Things have been really crazy as a business, um, but yeah, we're gonna just leave that there with the name change. We might put a poll on our on our social take media a sip of Aperol here. to see. Yeah, I'm drinking straight gin tonight. Um, so <laughs> again, gin gin baby, I call that one. Hello. Um, okay, but now let's actually talk about what we're here to talk about today, and that is the origin story of Roots and Ardor. Sam is trying to distract me right now, but I just got an email from some uh, something called Big Break. Like, my big break has <laughs> finally arrived. <laughs> your big break. See you later. I guarantee it's, it's, not, it's not the Mad Women podcast. It's not your big break. I'm actually an undiscovered model. <laughs> you are an amazing model. Yes. We use you in all of our photos. I know. I know. So, way to keep our costs down. Particularly good hand and hat model. Mm. Um, as long as my face and or body uh, is not in the photo, then I'm a <laughs> <laughs> hot come on you're a very specific kind of model yeah yeah only you. certain parts specific of your body hand and hat <laughs> okay so let's let's get on topic here okay. the origin story so I do think it's really really cool there's a few neat things that sort of stick out to me as someone that's looking back on our story I don't know if that's very you know self-involved in me but I do think that it's really cool that well this is a podcast this is a podcast it's a little self it's about us yeah that's true but I think what's cool is that you know I was 24 you were like freshly 25 when we started this business yeah. and you know we didn't really tell that to the world at the time I think we were both kind of insecure about our age when we started our business because we wanted people to respect us and think that we were you know, we deserve to be in that room when we were yeah, really we presenting. Yeah, to play in the arena. Yeah, so I think, but now looking back, you know, you know, almost four years later, I'm proud of that. I'm really, really proud that you know, as as kind of these people in their early twenties, we were able to really like find that confidence and find that that drive to really be able to do this because it's scary. It's super scary. And I think it, I keep going back to, you know, our staff member that asked us about this is, is it's something that's very prevalent when you leave university or when, you know, you're kind of breaking out into the real world of wanting to, you know, get into a professional position or job or whatever that may be. It's super intimidating to, uh, to figure that out when you're coming out of university or, um, whether you didn't go to university at all. And, you know, Hannah and I will touch on that in this podcast because we came from different paths. But I think um, one of the beautiful things about us starting the business when we did and at that young age was that we had the beauty and grace of youth 
which is that you're kind of fearless when you enter into that arena. You're more fearless, certainly, I think, than later in life when you have um, a lot more obligations and people sort of on the hook for your decisions. It's also like a, a sense of being super naive as well, mm-hmm. in a way, which I think... Beautiful, in a sense. Yeah, you kind of don't know all the things that can go wrong and you don't think about it. And I think that as you get older, more people are like, oh, well, you have a mortgage and you have to, you know, take care of your kids or whatever. And I think that not in mortgages and kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's when life. And then you've got the dog. (laughs) No, that's not to say that when, you know, you're older, you shouldn't dive into it as well. We're just saying for our experience, it really played in our favor. It was, that we were, it was a super, super blessing to be able to just not think of all the things that could go wrong. And I think that it is almost sort of a lesson in kind of putting blinders on mm-hmm. for whatever age you're at. Maybe you are 40 and you want to start your first business. Yeah. You just, haven't missed the boat. Yeah. Not at all. Like whatever age you want to do it, but they just ignore that noise because someone's always going to have an opinion about something that you're doing. And I think that that was something that was huge for us. I mean, we were lucky because we had a lot of support and people were really excited for us, but we were also excited. We were on fire for what we were doing and what we were creating. And I think that that was huge. So, I mean, I guess my, my first sort of point of advice for somebody that's, you know, just graduating or kind of in that limbo where they don't really know what they want to do. Maybe they didn't go to university like me. Hey, dropouts, calling on all dropouts. Um, you know, just Kanye West. Kanye. <laughs> Kanye. He did an album called College Dropout. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, that which was... I don't know if he, I, I don't know. If did he, he actually drop out? Um, do I have some, Jack? do I have something in common with Kanye West? <laughs> not. I really no, liked but, him until he went to the white house. I know. Yeah. He's been on a yeah. bit of a trail. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're just interrupted my like big Sorry. moment of advice. <laughs> Thanks. Like my one piece of value and you just interrupt me. No, just kidding. Were you? Giving some advice. Sorry. I was, I, I, yes. Oh, oh, sorry. Can I, can I continue? No, please. Uh, as you were. But I think, I, I do think that my word of advice is to, try a bunch of different things. And maybe that's kind of generic, but for me and my, my experience, I tried everything and I said yes to a lot of shit Mm -hmm. to be honest. And I figured out what I liked, what I didn't like. I kind of paved my way and my path through trial and error. Mm -hmm. And that was massive for me. And people will always ask me, you know, how I got to where I am right now and ask me questions and whatnot. And what I always say is that there's several paths to get to a final destination. So don't think that there is just one way to do it and don't be in a rush. You know, you're, you're, you know, if you're 22 and you're freaking out, God, you have so much ahead of you. So much time. You have so much time. I think the thing is, you know, the young can learn from the old, the old can learn from the young. Um, and as Hannah said, one of our, our biggest pieces, um, that we've learned is to pursue something with passion and with courage. And I think, you know, as we mentioned, being young and starting a business, you have you have that sort of in your corner and to your advantage. But if you can employ those blinders and be really passionate mm-hmm. about something and be brave um, and be courageous at an older age and dive into something new, because Hannah and I have recently been talking and this, this isn't going to be the last business that we start. Yeah. So we need to remember where we started and why we started to call on those qualities to really carry us through 
In any business. In anything. Yeah. And it, you have to understand that failure is a part of the story, no Not matter what. And there's always that thing called risk. And I think a lot of people are, and I still dabble with this, man. I mean, failure is a huge part of entrepreneurship and it's always in the back of your head. I think yeah. I can, I can speak for both of us. Like there's always that little feeling like, is this thing going to crumble down around we me? We almost always, I don't know. I think I, I have a failure complex yeah. I always feel like a failure. Yeah. And I don't think social media helps with that. You know, you look at people who are succeeding in, in different paths and you go, oh, you so natural to compare yourself. And oh, then yeah. you know, people are looking at us like that. A hundred percent. It's like this cycle. Yeah. It's a never ending cycle. And no one, no one is escaping that cycle. No. But we do want to sort of share, um, you know, the two different paths that we started on because we have, of course, our event mentorship, which is all about mentoring people who are in their early 20s and who are, are taking different paths and not really sure what they want to do with their lives. And Hannah and I started in such different places. I mean, you know, Hannah mentioned she, she dropped out of university. I ended up completing my degree, but we ended up in the same place. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, maybe Hannah can start with, with her, a bit of her path and the decisions that she made to get here because mm-hmm. Hannah was ultimately the spark that started RNA and, and I went on the sort of the more traditional path, you know, in all ways until this point in juncture in my life. So I think it might be interesting for people to hear, you know, you know, people who have dropped out yeah. want to hear from you and, and where, how you got here and people who went to university and did an English degree, which is like, you know, <laughs> the best <laughs> English, English lit major over here. Yeah. Samantha Ellis. Best degree you could possibly get. Hey, it's coming really handy for Roots and Arters. So I am so happy you have that degree. And I do speak English. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Very well. Me, not so much. <laughs> Me, not so much. I have some trouble <laughs> as you can tell in the first four episodes of this podcast. Um, no. So yeah, I'll try to kind of make it short and sweet, but the long and the short of my, of my origin story or how I got to the point where I was ready to start a business and, and work with Sam was a lot, again, to repeat myself, trial and error, you know, just sort of figuring out what I liked, trying things that I thought were something that I was going to pursue and then finding out that, holy crap, that is not what I want to do. Equally important. Yeah. And like figuring out what kind of lifestyle you want to have, what's important, figuring how, how best you work, things like that. So my story was, you know, pretty simple. I graduated uh, high school and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was not an academic student. I really didn't try in school. I never really went and I never cared about my grades. And, you know, one day my boyfriend at the time's mom just kept on asking me what I was going to do after university. And honestly, I just wanted to, she was not. And I just wanted to shut her up. So I was like, okay, I'm going to the counselor. So I went to the, the counselor in the office and I was like, okay, what do I have to do to like get into a good university? And she was basically said, you know, get your average up to like 87, 88. I was like, I can do that. So I started trying in grade 12 and then I got into UBC and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it got me out of, you know, the town that I was living in in Abbotsford and I was able to make friends. I always say I paid like whatever it was for two years of university for like friends. Basically I made relationships, I made connections and those, those relationships have lasted my lifetime so far. And that was amazing. But after two years, I, I really just, it was a crazy moment to realize that I didn't have to do this. I did not have to stay. And I think that there is that pressure sometimes to stay. And I am not 
saying that you should leave university whatsoever. But I do think that if there is something really, really pulling you and you have enough sense and and knowledge of yourself to really be able to listen and say, this is not what I want right now. That doesn't mean that you can't go back. doesn't mean that you can't, you know, go and, and try a different degree or go to a different university or maybe go back to the same one. But if you, if you know yourself, listen to yourself, don't just shove it to the side. So for me, it was a good moment. I I ended up, you know, kind of floating for a bit and I was asking on my network and I was meeting people right, left and center and building up my, my connections. And then I ended up meeting someone that changed my life because he referred me to this marketing agency from there. I worked my butt off as an intern working for free for like six months. How do you propose, you know, somebody on the other end might ask you, how do you propose making these connections, making like, yourself, how do you meet these people? How do you become available and yeah. open to these, these things that happen? You know, when you do make that decision, you are pulled away from university. Yeah. How do you make that? It's terrifying. Life? I mean, it's like, you know, especially if you're an introvert too, right? I mean, it's really intimidating to go out and, and, and put yourself out there for are me. Are you an introvert? I'm not an introvert, but I know a lot of introverts and I, totally. and I feel like that would be really hard. I have introverted qualities, but I'm definitely most, mostly an extrovert, but I do think that it's hard for different kinds of personalities. So I don't want to just like paint mm-hmm. a broad stroke with this, but what I, you know, I was working in the service industry. I worked as a server and a bartender for like almost seven years. And that was an amazing industry for me. I met so many people I still think hire everybody from the serving. Honestly, you learn people skills, yeah. communication. There's yeah. so much there and you make connections. Like I met so many people through serving and it was, it was an amazing stepping stone in my life. So for me, it was sort of like this industry that was so on one side ended up leading me into an industry that was completely unrelated. Right. So it really was about, you know, talk to people, you know, get you know, get to know people, ask them what they do. And then things can, can go from there. And I be curious, be curious, ask questions, you know, um, get people's cards, you know, back then, you know, people were giving out more cards back then things weren't so digital, but you know, get, or get people's emails. And I was annoying. I pestered people and I was like, I know, I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm really looking for an opportunity in marketing. Or at that time I was really interested in broadcasting. So I was looking for opportunities and and I ended up getting a job in a marketing agency that had nothing to do with what I wanted to do in the long run. At the time, I was really, really excited to like go into broadcasting and maybe work in sports. And at that time, the only job that I could could actually get was at a finance firm that was doing marketing and videos for the finance industry and resource companies, which is so boring. Right. No offense so to basically, that. you know, even if the first opportunity that comes by isn't your ideal dream job, exactly. you're suggesting take it. Take it. And again, don't stick in it for like five years. If it, if it's not, you know, making you tick, obviously go out and find the next opportunity. But I think sometimes people are a little bit spoiled and they Waiting think around for their dream job to fall in their, yeah. the, to fall in their lap. And they're not, they're not willing to go out and pay those dues. And I think that that was something that really built a lot of character for me was, was to stick something out and see longevity in it and say, I'm going to just have initiative, do the best that I can in this job. And it ended up leading me to all of the skills that I have now in video production and producing and directing and just my knowledge of storytelling that ties in so much to Roots and Arter and what we do as a business. Right. And all of those things came from those couple years while I was doing a job that I knew wasn't my dream job, but I had foresight. What were the hardest parts of taking that job? I'm sure you felt 
oh God, I just left university. Mm -hmm. I'm not working where I thought I would be working. I'm not where I thought I would be at. And we all have these, these um, worries as well. Even when we do graduate and we do go into the workforce, we all think this. So when you were in sort of those harder parts where you're feeling like I'm not in the right place, how did you get through that? Yeah, I think it was definitely, it was tough at times, but I think I would, I would seek out elements of the job that excited me, Mm. you know? So if there was some things that were just, Coffee time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, like Happy hour. going out for lunch for yes. six hours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you're going to get that yeah, hour. You are going to get that hour. I was out so for exactly hours. hours. But it was, it was fun because I, I was lucky enough to be able to have a boss that let me sort of kind of have some creativity and almost act as a bit of an entrepreneur. But I pushed him and I asked him and I, I wanted that opportunity to have that initiative, which is, again, something that you have to ask for. It's not just going to come to you. I think that you brought that up twice now. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we talk about this when we talk about mentorship and finding a mentor, mm-hmm. how it doesn't just come to you. This person doesn't appear out of a cloud like the son of Zeus. You have to <laughs> go out there. You have to go out there and ask yeah. for it, you know, with the job, with connections, with mentors, with everything. what you want to be paid, Yeah, which is a hilariously difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't ask, you won't receive. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that those were the moments that really built me into the person that I am now. And so, you know, just to kind of fast forward, I went from that job, I made a ton of connections. I ended up going to China and doing a documentary. Another thing that to really China? China. <laughs> China. You know what China says. I know. China? China. <laughs> he also says it like <laughs> seventeen thousand times. Like I went to China. Oh, Trump. Anyways. I wish, um, I wish we never talked about Trump. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. I don't I even feel like I've said his name I feel twice. like that should be like a worse word than the F word yeah. or the B word or any of that. I feel yeah. like we should just like. I feel like I should get dunk tank Maybe I say Trump. Maybe in post I'll just put a bleep over yeah. it so that no one Beep. has to hear that well, word. You are a nasty woman for saying that. I'm a nasty. I'm a mad woman. (laughs) Um, But no, that was another thing as well, because going back to China, I ended up taking this opportunity when I was 22 years old, this fellow that I had met through my connections, through, you know, meeting people and taking on new projects that were totally outside of my scope and my, you know, resume, to be honest, I kept on saying yes to things. So would you recommend going to China with a stranger? Okay. He wasn't a stranger. (laughs) Okay. It's just the way you said. Let me just clarify that I met a friendly gentleman on the street. I'll speed up shine. No, let me give some context okay. there. There was a gentleman that I had worked with on a few projects on producing videos so for. Knew I knew him well. I'd worked with him for a year. He liked my work. He liked working with me, and he asked me to bring a crew out and fly to China to film a documentary series. Sweet. So to that point, I was constantly saying yes to things that were completely out of my wheelhouse and out of your comfort zone and out of my comfort zone. And it was the best education ever. Even now, sometimes when we're taking on projects that are bigger than any project that we've taken on before, larger scope and scale. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes I'm like, holy crap, I've never done something like this before, but guess what? I know that I have intellect and I have skills that can help me problem solve and perseverance and perseverance. And I I'm able to ask questions. I'm able to call on people that I value their opinions. So all of these things that kind of like 
were these big pieces in my life, you know, trying different things, trial and error, saying yes to crazy things that I was really afraid of built me into being that 24 year old with that was that met me that met you and wanted to start a business with you. Yes. So when I met you, I was a freelancer. I had left that company and I was thinking about this. And then I met Samantha Ellis, who has a very cool origin story. You've been all over. Is it cool? Yeah, I've been all over. I think it's cool. I moved around a lot. Yeah, I was born on April 20th. (laughs) (laughs) A day back 28 years ago. (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, I moved around a lot, um, which is kind of funny because I I ended up going to uh, four different universities. So not because she got kicked out, right? (laughs) No, I was kicked out at every university, but for different reasons. Um, (laughs) Never the same. Establishment man. Um, But no, I, I honestly did go to four different universities and I liked it that way. I, I felt listless in every single one. And I think I felt like I was floating in every single one. And, and I didn't know what degree I wanted to take. And I think you have like this immense amount of pressure to take the right degree when you're in university. Um, and whether that's coming from your parents who are asking questions like, what exactly are you going to do with your English degree? <laughs> Which everybody will ask yeah. you. And you should just say, right, I'm going to communicate. I'm going to express myself. Uh, but none of those things really matter to uh to parents sometimes <laughs> at the time they're like what are you gonna do for a job yeah but what do you think it was that allowed you to really have the strength to make those decisions to leave because that's hard too sometimes is being yeah. able to have the confidence to say no I'm trying to bop around I mean I started in business because I think that just seemed like the logical thing to do start in business and get your business degree and start a business. <laughs> and ironically, I ended up back in the business world, but that was not my plan. In fact, I didn't have one. And I felt really self-conscious about not having a plan my entire university career. And I went to Western, and then I went to UFIC, and then I, I, I chased a guy to UBC. I stopped him legally. <laughs> and we're still together. Now. <laughs> we're still together we today. Broke up. Um, don't chase a guy. No, it works out. Don't chase a guy. I ended up in Vancouver at UBC and I'm so happy that I did. Same with you. It it was meant to be and I graduated from there and I didn't know what I was going to do again, but I was lucky enough to have applied to an internship while I was in university. And this was one of those things. It was another meant to be. I honestly was looking at Instagram and guys, this is like at the inception of Instagram. I mean, it was not a huge thing. And this company, people were still using that nerdy filter with like like the little film on the bottom. Black box filter. (laughs) So bad. And, And I mean like, yeah. So it, good. it was so bad, but so great too. Yeah. And why, why did you end up doing that? Why did you end up going into that realm of social media or applying for an internship as a whole? What I just was it? didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I knew that I needed work experience and it's kind of the same as you. Mm-hmm. I really felt like if I don't get into the workforce and figure out what it's all about, then, um, how, how am I ever supposed to know? Mm-hmm. How am I going to find the answers if I don't know what I don't want to do? Mm-hmm. So I applied to an internship. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to meet a really cool entrepreneur business, a woman named Jill Sheridan, who ended up starting many businesses in Vancouver, but really gave me a great start in this, in this industry that Hannah and I still work in today. Um, but you know, I bounced around that job. She started another business. I decided to go freelance. Um, 
And from there, I found my way into a way more traditional public relations company and in a role that I wasn't entirely prepared for and wasn't entirely suited to what I wanted to do in my taste and very nine to five and logging hours and harvest. Oh, harvest is a dirty word in, in, roots, in, in roots and ardor. You have PTSD harvest from harvest. My bathroom hours. <laughs> five you minutes clock in, in and out to go to the bathroom. That is just I not mean, healthy. Just sick. <laughs> just ridiculous. And so, you know, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy when I met you. And, and, uh, one thing that I would say though, like before I go into sort of that is just the internship and taking unpaid work, which I'm pretty sure is now illegal. And mm-hmm. I don't think it was too yeah. long until I got paid, honestly, but I was just so happy to be there. You were excited. I was so excited. I, bet, yeah. I was so excited. And, and Jill made it like such a fun place to work that I was so happy to be there. And I, I feel like you just need to be willing to work. Mm-hmm. It's such a huge thing. Uh, like work ethic is so hard to come oh, by. Oh my goodness. And, and I feel like it for yourself. And it's dwindling too. Dwindling. I don't wow. want to call out. We are anyone. in a drought. Yeah. I'm calling you all out. <laughs> a little bit. I'm sorry. I just, I mean, and I know that not everyone's going to be the same and everyone has different levels of it. And I'm sorry to interject mm-hmm. into your origins right here, but I do think that work ethic is such an in- important topic because People just, again, they think that it's just going to happen for them. They watch, you know, Anne Hathaway in mm-hmm. whatever, The Devil Wears Prada. I mean, she yeah. worked pretty hard for that. She actually worked, she, she worked really she hard. She got, like, the, the Harry Potter script. <laughs> she did. I mean, that was she, she pulled through on the Harry yeah. Potter. Um, but I think that, you know, they watch, you watch yeah, they watch The Hills or these, these, these types of shows that kind of skew us to think that things are just going to happen as long as you're, Maybe you know, you on, the on The Bachelor or, you know, reality TV or whatever, yeah. which we're still waiting for a big break with the reality show thing, by I the mean, way. I mean, the good thing but, is that like most of the marriages work out on The Bachelor. Oh yeah. It's, it's true love guys. Just yeah. So I mean, at least you'll have a, true a love. marriage. Yeah. Which you'll, is, of course, you'll meet your, your dream the man. Top woman. The top priority. <laughs> but no, I do think that those kinds of things do skew, you know, our, our younger generations into thinking that, mm-hmm. you know, there is an easy ticket, there's a one way, way ticket. Out. Yeah. There's an easy ticket to getting to success. And then, you know, once you have fame or whatever, you can start a jewelry line or whatever, or, but it's like or work looks like an ice vanilla latte, uh, in a like sweet loft, in Yale Town, yeah, with um, the hours of eleven a.m. to one to maybe two, maybe two, yeah. maybe three hours with a lunch day. break. But we're what, really going off. What so reality nice. is is working in a dungeony corporate office in Coal Harbor with you like have no, no windows, no AC, <laughs> and you know you're working alongside someone. Your like shoulders are almost touching, and you're like, wow, okay, so this is that guy that went to China with. Pretty much, yeah. I we grabbed shoulders. It was a big deal. No, but I do think that, yeah, there, there is a, a real point. <laughs> there is a real point to paying those, Pay those tax dues. And not that it has to be like that, but don't just think that it's going to happen overnight. And there is no easy ticket. Maybe there is for some people, but I think that the majority is, is going to come from that work ethic. So find, find something that's going to give you that work ethic. Cause like, again, you have to be on fire for something. You have to be excited for it. And I'll that's your passion. I'll complete the loop here. So basically I don't think that I could have operated the way that I do in Roots and Ardor or have been as motivated to start this business if I hadn't been in a job that I wasn't personally fulfilled or satisfied with, or I didn't know what to compare it to. 
Yeah. And I think often, um, you know, people come into the workforce and they have this expectation in their minds, like you just said. Um, I think that doing something really hard and doing something that's wrong for you can really lead to to being inspired to, Amen. to do something different. And that's what happened. That's the common denominator yeah. in our two, our two journeys exactly. to this business. That was the common. We wanted piece. out. We did. And we wanted to make our own realities. And I, again, I know that not everyone has that and not everyone is an entrepreneur. Not everyone wants to start a business, but maybe it's, it's you the can same. Apply it. Yeah. You can apply it to anything. You can apply it to your a job that you're really, you know, vying for really putting a lot of effort or time into getting or making those connections that might lead you to that next thing. I think that you can, you can listen to yourself and you can know when you can find it within you to say, I'm going to work hard because I need it. And I want it. It's important. So the work is harder when you start a business, I think, than, you know, where we both were. Yeah. Our work was harder, but our attitude was different. Exactly. And we were motivated. And we were motivated. And that's where our name comes from too, right? I mean, roots to be grounded in order to to burn for something and to to want to work with passion. And that's been something that's been a, a common thread throughout our business and with all the projects that we take on because we want to be on fire for our work and it's what keeps us motivated and keeps us excited. And like Sam said, we're we're still going, man. I mean, this is not the end. We want to build out this Roots and Arter brand and, and find other ways to be innovative and and inspire and you know motivate and mentor and find other mad women. Mad to join women. Our mad women bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll like rethink that mad women mad women March? No. March? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe there's not, March. I mean there is no women's March, right? It's never happened before. No. Right? No. I went. I went to that. Did you go? No, I need I to go. go. I didn't go. Vicky, um, I think something that I wanted to ask you as well is were you ready no. when we started our business? <laughs> were you ready or how like did you know you actually were ready? how you know, did you... I lied. Yes. Yeah. I was ready. And I think you never know that you're ready. Just like for all of those great things in life. You can never be completely prepared. In fact, I was probably the opposite, but I had developed skills and a little bit some of skills, not some too many. Skills. Some <laughs> skills, motor skills. <laughs> and I did feel I was ready to jump. I was ready for the risk. Mm. And I think if you're not ready for the risk, then it's going to be a tough go starting business. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't handle the risk, if you can't handle that, or you can't overcome that mm-hmm. opportunity or that, that possibility that, anxiety, that failure is real. Yeah. And that if you can, I think it was, you know, uh, uh, the woman that started having to post, she always talks about this. She goes, Meryl Streep. No, <laughs> but she always talks about, um, failure is a part of the story, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And you failure is a part of every it's part day. Of everything. It's a part of relationships. It's a part of friendships. It's a part of business. It's a part of your work. It's a part of everything. And if you can't come to terms with that, you're going to just stay in a hole. So I think that this is a good segue into what we sort of wanted to round out this podcast with, which is how we went from those two completely different paths and created our own company and decided what the culture would be. 
Yeah. Because I feel like failure and being able to laugh at ourselves and be able to absorb the responsibility for mistakes, but not let them ruin your day and not let them become a personal assault on your self-confidence. Or your staff. Is a huge, yes, a huge, part, a of huge part of our work culture. Because again, we talked about this a lot and we talked about this in our first podcast where we talked about the 10 things that we learned and how mistakes are going to happen and you need to be able to deal with them. But that is massive. Our corporate culture within Roots and Order is huge for us and it's something that we're really proud of. And I know we joke about it and we, we, we talk about, you know, having glasses of wine at like lunchtime and whatever and judge us all you will, but it allows us to have fun and it allows us to, you know, not take ourselves too seriously. And again, if we want to do a creative session where we're really trying to come up with a really fun creative campaign for one of our clients and we want to have a glass of wine at 12, we're going to do it yeah. because it's not, we just, we don't want to be stiff and, you know, in, in an area where we can't have fun. And this plays into everything. Yeah. So, so, you know, we do have a mad women bar part, but we also <laughs> let our team members take personal health days yes. and be honest with us about how they're feeling, you know, emotionally, physically, everything. We also let them work within their optimal hours as well. Yes. Which is huge. huge. I'm sorry, but Richard Branson talks about this too. I mean, mm-hmm. the way that we've that the, the work week is structured is not feasible for everyone. No. It's not the same. And you can't, again, bro, like stroke a big broad stroke for everyone and say, they're all going to work within the same hours and they're all going to be optimal at it. It's and we had, certain. no, and our staff came to us and said, you know, I'd really like to work earlier in the morning and leave a little bit earlier in the afternoon because that's more optimal for me. Myself, Hannah, I work way better at night. When I'm editing a video, I know my product is going to be better if I'm editing at night. And I, my hours are like 12 on. And, and I am up at 5. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's good. It's good that we're opposite, I think. It is good that we're opposite. We can handle things differently. Our clients will be getting a lot of emails. Yes. Yes. But I think that, you know, obviously I've had to conform a bit and I come in at 9 most days because... I want to be here with the team and things like that, but flexibility, flexibility. There's the opportunity that I can, you know, maybe leave a little bit early in the day and then work the rest of my hours at night. I think as long as you're getting your work done, as long as the business is flourishing and the, you know, those tasks are being checked off. I don't care. No. And as long as our clients are happy and the work is doing its job and we're doing a good job, then man, I just don't really think it matters. I think the key is finding your place or creating your place. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, if you could give your previous self, your 22 year old self, one word of advice after dropping out of university to get to where you are now, yeah. Oh my goodness. Where you create your own company culture, you know, you've built this and what would you say to yourself? My 20 something self, 20 something year old self. I think I would tell myself, you're right. <laughs> Sorry. I love that. Sorry. But I knew. Right. I like, I, and I'm not, maybe this will be a super unrelatable for anyone listening to this, but I knew I had it in me. And that doesn't mean that I had moments where I wasn't terrified and I had a lot of fear of failure. And I went through some really hard things in my life where people tried to really, really put me down and put me in a place where I was nothing. But those moments really made me who I am and they made me want to fight for my life and make me want to fight for what I wanted. And I, I always saw myself creating something that was rad and finding people like you along the way that were going to help me flourish and, and, and build this beautiful thing that I knew was possible. And I mean, 
honestly, I don't know how I got so lucky in meeting you. Cause honestly, I like, I don't want to get mushy gushy like our episode two, but you know, it honestly was, it, it's been so incredible. It's more than I ever could have imagined. I knew I was going to do something like this, but it, I mean, it really has turned out better than I could have ever thought. So maybe it's your right and it's going to turn out better. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. It's going to be okay. You that you're right. Because having that confidence and that self-respect to say, no, I know I can do this mm-hmm. and to not lose sight of that no matter what the challenges are is mm-hmm. so incredible. And I think it's almost like rising from a place of hardship mm-hmm. is, is such a big quality with entrepreneurship because mm-hmm. I still, I have those days where I am not that person and I'm like, you're wrong. You're an idiot and you're, <laughs> you're going to fail and everything's going to crumble around you. And then out of that, I rise up and I'm like, get up. Right. You got this girl. Yeah. It's like rising. I don't want to say the Phoenix was kind of cheesy, but you know, rising from that dark place. (laughs) Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. Not so good. Not so good. Not so good. Um, but yeah, that's what I would say. What would you say to yourself? As she puts down, (laughs) as she puts down, you are so wrong. Um, what would I say to myself? I would say be more forgiving. Hmm. Be more forgiving of myself, mm-hmm. not necessarily knowing what I what I wanted to do in all aspects of my life. Sort of being nervous that I was always making the wrong decisions when I was making the right decisions. I was making all of the decisions I needed to make to end up here. I and I, that. and that's, that includes a great amount of mistakes and heartbreak and and low sort of dark times which is okay which is completely okay there's highs and there's lows and you can't appreciate the highs without the lows no like when I was harvesting my bathroom hours (laughs) that was a low that was a low I have one more sort of like little questionette for you oh fun I don't even she did not brief me on these questions I did not prepare but it's just coming to me it's perfect so you know since this is about our origin story and obviously like how we got to company culture but Looking back, this is technically our fourth year of business. Yeah. I want you to tell me what each year of our business was like in one word. Oh my God. Year one. One word. Can I have a two? Scrambled eggs? (laughs) Perfect. Like scramble. A mess. A mess. Year two. Um... I I need three words, like finding our stride, I guess. Like we were really, we were getting there. We were getting there, but it was also like terrible twos. It was, it was terrible twos for sure. So many growing pains. Yeah. Is it weird that I have completely blacked out and I like can't even remember? remember your two. I can't even remember. I barely remember your two either because I honestly think it was that we were in between here. It's like being the middle child. It was. We were, you're getting the accountant and you're getting all the and we're paying taxes for the first time. And we're actually keeping our receipts. Yes. (laughs) And and we're losing contracts and we're getting bigger ones. Yeah. And And we're going after bigger fish and we're transition. Yeah. We, yeah, that was, it was scary. Scary. It was scary at points. Year three. Wine. Wine not. Wine not. Yeah. I mean, well, no, I think wine's been a constant throughout all four years, but I think, you know, we, you know what I think year three was? It's been laughter. I think we've laughed a lot more in year three. And you want to know why? I think it's because we've been able to recognize cycles in our business. 
because in year one and year two, even we're like, Oh my God, the world's, hey, ending. The world's ending. One, one client drops us and oh. we haven't signed a new one. And Oh my God, like this is ending. Mm-hmm. But now we've seen these cycles and these flows that business go through and, and cash flow and client flow and all these mm-hmm. things. So now I feel like when we have those moments where things are looking a little bit sketchy, I have more confidence to know that there's an up cycle coming, which calm. calm. It's just a sense of common. I mean, I mean, again, we're still so young. We're still a toddler in business. And I think as we continue to grow and, and continue on this journey, it's going to, it's going to get, have more laughter hopefully and have more of these moments of calm and peace and understanding that we have built something great and we're going to be okay. But I do really think that year three was, was pivotal in that. I agree. Do you agree? I completely agree. Oh man, that was hard. I know. I couldn't come up with anything. I don't, I know. I know. I wanted to sort of keep you on your toes. I think I was blacked out for all of your time. Honestly, like, we should look back on Instagram posts. We should. Because I don't even remember either. I know. That was before Instagram stories too. So we yeah. can't even archive our stories. I think we, we both got dogs. We which did. Was a big mistake. Mm. Um, in that shared. Okay. Next, next week's episode. We will talk about we our. We'll dive into your two. We will dive into year two. Terrible twos in business for sure. Whoa. Okay, just to close this out, I do want to ask, because I do think that this is important, just kind of going back a little bit to the the origin story, is kind of the three things that maybe you thought were, or you think were most important for you when starting this business, and maybe kind of give that as almost advice for somebody that maybe is thinking about starting a business. Like, what were the things that kind of gave you confidence in diving into Roots and Harder in your own business? Courage. Mm-hmm. It sounds so basist and, but absolutely courage. It's just simply brave perfect. Enough. It yes. is. Being brave enough to start every single day on a new foot. Yeah. I don't know how, you never know how you're going to end that day. Um, and it's not always pretty, but being brave enough to start it the next day and say, I'm going to attack this. Yeah. Uh, number two is humor. Mm-hmm. Be able to laugh at yourself. Be able to laugh at the situation. Nothing is that serious. We're not saving lives here. Nothing's worth berating your team and making them feel small for mm-hmm. a small mistake. Third is empathy, mm-hmm. and that's a really I like that one. It's a gendered term, and, and we do plan on talking about. Gender. The gender conversation. Yes. The G word. But I really love that we both have a high degree of empathy mm-hmm. because I think we have deeper, stronger connections with our clients because of it. I, I think totally we have agree. stronger connection with one another and our team. And I think empathy often is the glue. Mm-hmm. I think so too. It's like the subtle, silent glue. I really like that. One thing that I'll add just from almost more of like a market analysis point was something that I think that gave me a lot of confidence when we were starting with Sonata is that we had really specific elements that made us different from what everyone else was doing. I think that was huge for me is because, you know, nowadays some of these people that are, are starting, you know, social media agencies and stuff, it's really hard to differentiate yourself because everyone's doing that now because it's relevant. Mm -hmm. When we started, there was like maybe one 
that was doing what we were doing. And we added on to that. We like introduced content into our, our business plan. We introduced philanthropy into our business plan and we introduced videography and all of these different elements that weren't really being offered on that scale. And I think that was something that gave me so much confidence to go into those pitch meetings and to go into those initial meetings with big clients or bigger clients and say, we deserve this contract because we deserve a seat at the table. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because it really is. So, I mean, I don't want to go too much down the road of, you know, business advice and like what you should do before starting your business. But, you know, those three things are so important, that bravery, that courage, this, that empathy. And, and, and actually, just as you said, lastly, you have a right to be there. You have a right to be at the table yep. and know that and understand that. And that leads us to can't wait to see everybody at our mentorship event. V4. Four, Four is a big number for us. That this is year. a big number for July us. July 17th. Miriam Alden. From Brunetta Label, who is going to be discussing some of these things. The long game, building a business, what it took for her to build a business. We want to ask her these questions. What she, what she like would recommend to people. Mm-hmm. The four things that she takes away. Um, so we're really excited about that. And we appreciate you listening to episode five of, of Mad, Mad Women, Women Podcast. <laughs> you guys have to let us know if this is actually a good idea. We will legitimately do a poll on our Instagram the day that we release this podcast. Please vote. Let us know if it's stupid or not. And maybe we can brainstorm some different ideas. Who knows? I like it. So we don't care right. what the people okay, think. Okay, yeah. We don't care what your vote has no, to we say. We really care, though, deeply. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.